purpose. Oh, I want to dismiss the young kids first, uh, up through sixth grade, I believe. And the mass exodus begins. Tony, quit trying to sneak out. The purpose of the First Christian Church of Griffith is to love God, love others, spread the gospel. It's what we're all about. It's what we want to do. Mamie Adams, uh, now last week I picked on the post office, and uh, I want to tell you a nice story about the post office. Mamie Adams always went to a branch post office in her town because the postal employees were uh, always friendly there. Uh, She went to buy stamps just before Christmas one year, and the lines were particularly long. Someone pointed out that there was no need to wait in line because there was a machine in the lobby where she could buy the stamps that she needed. I know, said Mamie, but the machine won't ask me about my arthritis. Somerset Morgan's mother was an extraordinarily beautiful woman married to an extraordinarily ugly man. Sounds like the story of my life. (laughs) When a family friend once asked how such a beautiful woman could have married such an ugly man, she replied, he has never once hurt my feelings. Now this morning, we're going to continue our look at the fruit of the Spirit. We've talked about love, joy, peace, and patience, which means uh, we still have to look at kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Today we're going to look at three of these qualities. We're going to look at kindness, goodness, and gentleness. We're going to take all three uh, today. Thank you, Bob. And uh, we're going to talk about what they mean and uh, instead of talking about them one at a time. We're going to look at these three qualities that specifically deal with how we treat other people and how we deal with other people. Uh, we're going to examine kindness, goodness, and gentleness. Next week, we're going to look at faithfulness. And then the following week, we're going to talk about what is probably the hardest one, and that's self-control. Uh, We have seen how the fruit of the Spirit is a list of the qualities that God brings out in our lives as the Holy Spirit works in our lives to change us and make us more like Jesus. When you become a Christian uh, by believing that Jesus died for your sins, you repent, turn away from your sinful lifestyle, confess Him as your Savior and Lord, and you get baptized for the forgiveness of your sins, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit comes to live in you in Acts chapter 2, verse 38. The very Spirit of God dwells in your heart and guides you and leads you and teaches you to become more like Jesus. The Holy Spirit bears fruit in your life. Paul says that the fruit that the the Spirit will bear in your life uh, are these lists of these qualities that we find in Galatians 5, 22 and 23. Paul is not talking about multiple fruits, as I said last week, uh, but each of these, uh, as though each of these qualities are separate from one another. It's not that first you get love, and then you get joy, and then you get peace. Uh, there is one fruit, and the Holy Spirit produces all of these qualities in our lives at the same time. We become more loving, uh, more joyful, more peaceful, more patient, and so on as we grow in our faith and become more like Jesus. I believe that Uh, The three of these qualities that we're going to look at today, uh, these are directly related to how we treat other people. Uh, We're going to look at some passages of Scripture that address each of these three areas, uh, and then we're going to see how we can apply them to our lives. Now, the first quality we're going to look at is kindness. Uh, The biblical concept of kindness comes from a Greek word that meant friendliness and mildness as well as kindness. I believe that kindness for Christians begins with God. It all starts with him. God reaches out to us in kindness all the time. Uh, Let's look at some scriptures that deal with God's kindness, and uh, we'll talk about how we can be kind towards others. 
Titus chapter 3, verses 3 through 7. If you want to write these down somewhere, I'm going to give you a whole bunch of scriptures, and uh, these are going to be the ones that deal with kindness. Titus 3, 3 through 7. At one time, we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. But when the kindness and love of God, of God our Savior appeared, he saved us. Not because of righteous things that we have done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured on us, out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that having been justified by grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. We are saved through the kindness and love of God, our Savior. In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 through 7, Paul writes, Because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. God's grace is expressed in his kindness to us through Jesus Christ. Paul writes about God's kindness uh, expressed to the Gentiles by grafting them into the branch of his family in Romans chapter 11, verse 22. He says, consider therefore the kindness and sternness of God, sternness to those who fell, but kindness to you, provided that you continue in his kindness. Romans 2, 1 through 4 says, You therefore have no excuse, you who pass judgment on someone else. For at whatever point you judge the other, you are condemning yourself, because you who pass judgment um, do the same things. Now we know that God's judgment against those who do such things is based on truth. So when you, a mere man, pass judgment on them and yet do the same things, do you think you will escape God's judgment? Or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness? tolerance and patience not realizing that God's kindness leads you towards repentance God's kindness towards us leads us to repentance and salvation through Jesus Christ we have seen how God is incredibly kind toward us how should we respond then to his kindness if God is so kind to us and he pours out this kindness and love and grace and mercy on us how do we respond what do we do in response to God's kindness by being kind towards others and the Bible talks about that as well. Colossians 3 talks about how there should be no discrimination in the church. Verse 12 says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. 1 Thessalonians 5, 13-15 says, Live in peace with each other. And we urge you, brothers, warn those who are idle, encourage the timid, help the weak, be patient with everyone. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always try to be kind to each other and to everyone else. Ephesians 4, 32 says, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 says, Love is kind. If you want to have perfect love in your heart, you must be kind. Proverbs 12.25 says, An anxious heart weighs a man down, but a kind word cheers him up. Do you kind of see where we're getting at here? Do you kind of see where we're going? That God has expressed his kindness to us through Jesus Christ. He has poured out kindness on us. And his expectation is that we will respond to his kindness by being kind towards one another. Despite his busy schedule during the Civil War, Abraham Lincoln often visited the hospitals to cheer the wounded. On one occasion, he saw a young fellow who was near death. Is there anything I can do for you? asked the compassionate president. Please write a letter to my mother, came the reply. 
Unrecognized by the soldier, the, civil, the chief executive sat down and wrote as the youth told him what to say. The letter read, My dearest mother, I was badly hurt while doing my duty and I won't recover. Don't sorrow too much for me. May God bless you and Father. Kiss Mary and John for me. The young man was too weak to go on, so Lincoln signed the letter for him and then added this postscript, written for your son by Abraham Lincoln. Asking to see the note, the soldier was astonished to discover who had shown him such kindness. Are you really our president, he asked. Yes, was the quiet answer. Now is there anything else I can do for you? The lad, the lad feebly replied, will you please hold my hand? I think it would help me to, it would help to see me through to the end. And the tall, gaunt man granted his request, offering warm words of encouragement until death stole in with the dawn. That's the president of the United States, probably arguably our greatest president ever. That's kindness towards a, towards a stranger, someone he didn't even know. That is kindness. A few years ago, there was a popular saying. It was put on mugs and posters and billboards and, and all kinds of places. It said, practice random acts of kindness and senseless beauty. Any of you ever heard that one? Practice random acts of kindness and senseless beauty. There is even a random acts of kindness website. It's www.actsofkindness.org. You can join the website and you can become a member. There are 662 members of the kindness website here in Indiana. Now the question I have is, does that mean that there are only 662 kind families in the entire state? Yikes! Uh, it doesn't say much for, for Hoosiers. Um, of course, there's only, what, maybe three and a half, four million people living in the state of Indiana. California, which is like 34 million people, only has like 3,000 families. So, you know, in ratio uh, of kind families to total families, we're not doing too bad. So, uh, but on the website, they have a list of people from every state who have created kindness websites. They also have information on special kindness events. Did you know? Then November 10th through the 16th is World Kindness Week. What are you doing this year? I'm planning on having a kindness party at my house. November 13th is World Kindness Day. February 11th through 17th, 2008 was Random Acts of Kindness Week. We just missed it. How could we not have known? It was not even on my calendar. I missed World Random Acts of Kindness Week. Um, on the website, you can read stories about people's random acts of kindness that they did. An anonymous person wrote one Thursday, I was just in the mood to make someone's day. So I went out and I bought some flowers and I put a flower in the plastic newspaper bags in the neighborhood. I put flowers in everyone's bag I could find until I ran out of flowers. The next day, my neighbor said, I got a flower in my newspaper and I just said, someone cares for you. Now, could you imagine what like that guy's wife was thinking? You know, she goes out to the paper and there's a flower in the bag. What is going on here? No. So how can we be more kind? How can we be more friendly to each other in the church? How can we express to one another that we truly care about one another? It's a kind of love and kindness that speaks volumes to our community. People are searching for love and acceptance. Every day I see people just, they look like they're lost. And in reality, they are. Uh, but they look uh, like they're walking around in, in, in a dense fog, just praying that someone would love them, someone would be kind to them, someone would welcome them, someone would accept them. See, that's what we can do. As a church family, that's what we're all about. That's what we should be about, loving others. It, it's, 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 you know, number two in the mission statement. Love God, love others. 
Welcome them. Accept them. Make them feel at home. Let them know that there is a God who loves them and accepts them. And, and, and because that God loves them and accepts them, there's a church that will love them and accept them. And that's who we are. That's what we're to be all about. People crave a community of kindness. The New Testament church was so successful because they were so full of love and kindness for each other. Acts 2.45 says that they sold their possessions and goods and gave to anyone in need. Uh, you've heard of, probably heard of Willow Creek Community Church up in, in uh, Barrington, Illinois. Uh, they have a car ministry that gives away safe and reliable cars to single moms and needy people who need a car. They give away an average of 100 to 120 cars per year. It's that kind of kindness to the community that leads them to have 20,000 people in their worship services every weekend. If we want to be a growing, thriving church, we have got to be kind to one another and demonstrate God's kindness to our community. Kindness begins with God. He has shown us so much kindness through his son, Jesus. Now we must act like mirrors and reflect that kindness to the world. We must allow the Holy Spirit to work in our lives so that we can bear the fruit of kindness to our world. Now I want to look at the next quality that the Holy Spirit produces in our lives, and that is goodness. Uh, there are a lot of scriptures in the New Testament that talk about being good. Uh, I want to look at a, a, a few of them. Uh, John was writing to his close friend Gaius in, in 3 John. Uh, verse 11 says, Dear friend, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. Anyone who does what is good is from God. Anyone who does what is evil has not seen God. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Paul writes in Galatians 6.10, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. The Bible tells us that we are to do good works and to live good lives. Goodness is to be a quality that marks our lives each and every day. We're supposed to be good. Now, when I think of being good, when I think of a good person, I think of one person. I think of one individual, her. That's my wife, Shannon. And uh, she uh, is, uh, <laughs> she's in the hospital right now. And so because she's in the hospital and she's not here, I can, I'm at liberty to talk about her. Um, that's the rule we have. I can't talk about her when she's here, but when she's not. Um, is she perfect? <laughs> close. No, she, she's not perfect, but she's very good. She is a very good person. Um, one, uh, over five years ago, uh, she had a bunch of blood clots in her lungs, and she nearly died. And uh, you know what she did? Uh, for, for months, months afterwards, she would bake brownies, and she would take them to the emergency room personnel at the hospital that treated her. Uh, she would take brownies to the EMT personnel who came to our house at 3 o'clock in the morning to take her to the hospital. She would go down, uh, she would drive 25 miles to Hennepin County Medical Center, uh, where she was at for, in, uh, for 12 days, uh, and she would take brownies to the, um, to the people who, to the heart specialist that worked on her there at the, uh, at the hospital. Um, she used to bake birthday cakes for her co-workers in Minnesota. Uh, she organized birthday parties for them on their special days. She's led Bible studies in the past because she cares about people. She's a good person. Uh, she once canceled a trip to go see her cousin get married because I was sick. And like a, a little wimp, I, I begged her to stay home with me. <laughs> One Christmas, she bought me the nicest Green Bay Packers jacket. <laughs> I got to wear it in front of all them Minnesota Vikings fans. It was wonderful. 
I mean, for crying out loud, the woman puts up with me on a daily basis. How could she not be good? (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) That should tell you what a good person she is. She does good deeds, and not to try and earn favor from people or God, but because she's a good person. My wife is a good person and a total babe. Now, it's interesting. What's interesting to me is how the word good, the meaning of the word good has changed over time. Uh, In Luke 18, uh, the gospel writer records a conversation that Jesus had. A certain ruler asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good, Jesus asked. No one is good except God alone. In Jesus' day, they believed that only God was worthy of the title good. And now we use the word good without thinking. We use it all the time. We talk about, you know, a good movie. Hey, did you see that movie? Yeah, it was really good. Uh, That food. Well, you know, we talk about good food. Uh, Last night, I ordered pizza for one of my favorite places. Again, it's not Shannon's favorite place. She's in the hospital. So I ordered Arenello's because I love Arenello's pizza. And that is good pizza. Now now I'm making you hungry. Um, You know, the Bible tells us that we are to be like God. Because God is good. God alone is truly good. God's goodness is unmatched. It is uh, unparalleled. God is truly good. God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. Our lives should be a reflection of God's goodness. Our lives should be characterized by God, by goodness. If the Holy Spirit is working in our lives, we should be becoming more good, or as a five-year-old might say, we should be becoming gooder. Doing good deeds, using good speech, thinking good thoughts. We need to be good. God says in 1 Peter 2.15, For it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish men. You want people to take Christianity seriously? Be good. You know, uh, one of the greatest causes, uh, this is on a, on a DC Talk album, there's, uh, there's uh, the Jesus Freak album, there's a little snippet of a guy talking, he says, the greatest cause of atheism in the world is, is let me paraphrase, it's basically Christians who don't act like Christians, who say one thing and do another. It's Christians who can't be good. It's the greatest cause of atheism in the world. You know, I used to tell, I, I, we had wiener dogs. Um, when uh, I'll tell you my story about my first wiener dog named Duchess. Uh, I uh, wanted a dog. Shannon and I had just started dating. We started dating in December. In June, she had to go and do an internship in, at First Christian Church of Chicago. And uh, she said to me, one of the last things she said to me, and this will tell you how well I listen, she says, please don't get a dog. A couple weeks later, I show up at the house of the people that she's staying with, with Duchess, my wiener dog. <laughs> And uh, I uh, had responded to an ad in the paper. There was an ad in the paper that said, free wiener dog. And I was like, I, I've always wanted a wiener dog, and I had to have the wiener dog. So I drove to Decatur, Illinois, and uh, I get out of the car, and this wiener dog comes tearing out of these people's car, running right at me. Oh, she really likes you. You can have her. And they get in the car, and they start to drive off. I said, wait, 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 wait. They're like, what? I said, what's her name? It's Duchess. And they were gone. So I had Duchess. And Duchess went to live with me in Atwood, Illinois. And uh, that was my first wiener dog. <laughs> um, showed up at, at, on Shannon's doorstep in Chicago with the little wiener dog. Isn't she cute? Why did you get a dog? I don't listen. Um, 
That was wiener dog number one. Uh, a couple years later, Shannon and I had gotten married, and uh, I saw an ad in the paper. <laughs> Me and ads in the paper for wiener dogs. Free, and not free wiener dog, wiener dogs for sale. Puppies. Six weeks old. Oh, you think a wiener dog's cute. Wiener dog puppies are even cuter. So I drove to uh, Bement, Illinois, <laughs> and I gave the people $325. <laughs> And we got Jack. Jack was my little wiener dog. And uh, so I had Jack and Duchess. Um, and I used to tell Jack and Duchess, be good. Be a good dog. You know what Jack and Duchess did? Jack and Duchess were not good dogs. They peed on my floor. They pooped under my table. <laughs> they were not good dogs. We ended up with two more wiener dogs while we got when we lived in Minnesota. We had we've had four. Needless to say, we no longer have wiener dogs. Um, they're not good dogs. I know some of you are wiener dog owners and you have wiener dogs and you think the world of your dogs. You got lucky. You won the wiener dog lottery because I did not have good wiener dogs. But my commands to be good, to be a good wiener dog, fell on deaf ears. You know, and sometimes God's commands to be good people, to be good Christians, fall on deaf ears. We need the Holy Spirit to remind us, be a good boy, be a good girl. There are people watching us to see how we live. People watching us to see if we're going to be true to our God, if we're going to live out this faith that we say that we have. We are under a microscope. Are we reflecting God's goodness in our lives? Or do we, do we, do we um, betray uh, the words uh, that come out of our mouths, the, the faith that we confess? We need to do what is right, and we need to be good. Finally, we need to be gentle. The Holy Spirit will work in our lives to produce gentleness. Philippians 4, 5 says, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Colossians 3.12 says, As God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. 1 Timothy 6.11 says, But you, man of God, flee from all this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Peter writes in 1 Peter 3.15, In your heart set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. Paul wrote in Ephesians 4, 1 and 2, as a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty eight and through 30, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Anybody need rest for their soul this morning? For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The Greek word for gentleness carried with it the idea of, of soothing medicine. There was some sort of physical problem, a headache or a backache, and you would take medicine to make it go away. It would soothe the aches and pains or an upset stomach. Instead of being harsh and abrasive, it was soothing and gentle. Richard L. Dunnigan writes, at their school carnival, our kids won four free goldfish. Lucky us. So I went out Saturday morning to find an aquarium. The first few I priced ranged in price from $40 to $70. 
And then I spotted it. Right in the aisle, a discarded 10-gallon display tank, complete with gravel and filter, for a mere five bucks. Sold. Of course, it was nasty dirty, but the savings made the two hours of cleanup a breeze. Those four new fish looked great in their new home, at least for the first day. But by Sunday, one had died. Too bad, uh, but three remained. Uh, Monday morning revealed a second casualty, and by Monday night, a third goldfish had gone belly up. We called in an expert, a member of our church who has a 30-gallon tank. It didn't take him too long to discover the problem. I had washed the tank with soap. A no-no, an absolute no-no. My uninformed efforts had destroyed the very lives I was trying to protect. Sometimes in our zeal to clean up our own lives or the lives of others, we unfortunately use killer soaps. Condemnation, criticism, nagging, fits of temper. We think we're doing right, but our harsh, self-righteous treatment is more than they can bear. That's why we need gentleness. I went to school at Indiana State University for three and a half years. One of my friends from high school came down. Uh, We were roommates, actually, my freshman year. And then I started dating a girl uh, at uh, school. Her name uh, was Lisa. And uh, um, they were both uh, Roman Catholic. Uh, My buddy and uh, my girlfriend were both Roman Catholic. And um, during my freshman year of college, uh, God got a hold of my heart. I mean, he just grabbed a hold of me. And my faith became my own for the first time. Uh, I grew up going to church, First Christian Church in Crown Point, and uh, I grew up going to church every Sunday, Sunday school, Sunday night, Sunday afternoon youth group, Wednesday night, uh, we call it the gathering. I, I was there. You know, I, I almost spent more time uh, at the church building than I did at home, and uh, I was there all the time, but my, I really rode my parents' coattails as far as my faith was concerned. But when I got to Indiana State and I met Mark Gallagher at the Christian campus ministry there, I I just exploded. I mean, I was burning in my faith. I was so excited. And I was convinced that anyone and everyone I came across needed to be converted. They needed to have this kind of, this fire and zeal that I had. Especially my two friends. My girlfriend and my buddy Jim. I needed to convert them. I needed to show them the error of their ways. I needed to show them uh, what they needed to believe. And I needed to, to convince them that my way was best. And I needed to convince them. I was deeply concerned about them. And I needed to to get them on the right track, on the right path. Now, unfortunately, I hadn't learned too much about gentleness. I confronted them about their lack of faith and depth in Christ. I boldly spoke the truth about Christ. They didn't speak to me very much after I confronted them. They didn't want anything to do with what I was offering. Right now... I have no idea where either one of them is. I don't know. Haven't spoken to them in years. What if I had done things differently? What if I had been more gentle? Perhaps the results would have been different. We need to be gentle when we share our faith with our friends and our family members. You know, <laughs> kind of kooky, but nobody likes to be told to their face or screamed in their face that they're going to hell. It's not what people want to hear, even if it's true. We need to learn to communicate the gospel in a loving, gentle way. Proverbs 15.1 says, A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. My mother used to say, You can attract more flies 
with honey than you can with vinegar. Now, I don't understand why you'd want to attract flies in the first place. I grew up with a father who absolutely hated and despised flies. And uh, I don't understand why you'd want to attract them, but apparently uh, there's some truth to that. If we can be gentle in the way that we treat unbelievers, we'll win more of them to the Lord. But if we are up in their faces, screaming at them about how they're going to burn in hell for eternity, we are going to turn them off to the gospel forever. Uh, I talked before about the guy who came to ISU, uh, and uh, would uh, every spring he would come, and he'd stand in the plaza in the center of campus, and he would scream at students, condemning them to hell. You know, for some of those people, that's their image of the gospel. That's their image of Jesus. If that's, how, if that's how Jesus' people act, if that's how Jesus' preachers act, if that's how Jesus' spokespeople act, I don't want anything to do with it. I don't want anything to do with it. Jesus said in John 3:16 and 17, we know John 3:16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. We know that one. We tend to forget there's a 17th verse. It says, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. God did not send Jesus to condemn the world. And you know what? It's not our job either. We have to speak the truth boldly and clearly, but in gentleness, respect, and most of all, in love. When William McKinley was president of the United States, he had to make a decision about the appointment of an ambassador to a foreign country. The two candidates were equally qualified, but when McKinley was still a congressman, he had observed an inconsiderate action by one of the men. He recalled boarding a streetcar at the rush hour and getting the last vacant seat. Soon, an elderly woman got on, carrying a heavy clothes basket. No one got up to offer her a seat, so she walked the length of the car and stood in the aisle, hardly able to keep her balance as the vehicle swayed from side to side. One of the men that McKinley was later to consider for ambassador was sitting next to where the woman was standing. Instead of getting up and helping her, he deliberately shifted his newspaper so it would look like he hadn't seen her. When McKinley noticed this, he walked down the aisle, graciously took her basket, and offered her his seat. The man was unaware that anyone was watching, but that one little act of selfishness would later deprive him of perhaps the crowning honor of his lifetime. You know... I hope that you'll carry this sermon with you for a while. I hope that something I've said today kind of resonates with you. And uh, and maybe in dealing with other people, you'll think about these three things. You'll think a little bit about being kind towards your neighbor. Being kind to the person sitting next to you right now. Especially if they're your spouse. Um, You'll you'll think a little bit about being good. That you'll want to be good. Or that you'll want to be gentle. Maybe that's what you struggle with, is gentleness. You can speak the truth, but you don't always speak the truth in love. Maybe that's what we need to work on is gentleness. That's our goal, is to become more like Christ. Because Christ is good. Christ is gentle. Christ is kind. May we seek to be more like him every day. Some of you have just begun your journey of faith. Maybe you've just started and you're just getting going. You're asking questions and you're wondering what Jesus can offer you. I'm here to tell you that he wants to offer you salvation and eternity. He died on a cross so that your sins could be forgiven. And the Bible says that every single one of us is a sinner. As Tony prayed earlier, uh, we are sinful. We are so very sinful. And in order to go to heaven, we need to have our sins forgiven. We do that by believing in Jesus, turning away from our sinful life and repentance, 
confessing him as Savior and Lord and being baptized for the forgiveness of our sins. If you've never made this step of faith, we offer an invitation here every day, every Sunday. We offer you the invitation to come forward, put your faith and trust in Christ, be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. If you're ready to make that step, we're going to sing a song. And during that song, we ask, we invite you to come forward. Or if you've made that step of faith and, and uh, you've been baptized, but right now you're facing a tough time, you need to pray with somebody. We have uh, some elders who would be glad to pray with you. Or if you want to join our church, you want to join our congregation as a member, we invite you to do that as well as we sing. Let's pray, and then we'll sing I Surrender All. Our Heavenly Father, God, today we give you praise and glory, for you are good. You alone are good. You are kind and you are gentle, and you have shown your kindness to us over and over and over again. We thank you, God, for the wonderful gifts of your love, your mercy, and grace. And I pray for those who are struggling today, maybe struggling uh, physically with their health or struggling emotionally or struggling spiritually, and ask God that you would gently lift them up. Thank you for your word and for uh, its truth. And I pray that you would help us to live lives, uh, good lives, each day as we become more like Christ. We pray this in his name. Amen.